Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Yeah. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the yeah. Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Christian Fowler, a senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media, an all-around good guy. We have a podcast that comes out usually every Tuesday. It's going to come out a little later. We had to delay for the for the Tiger basketball game, but it's the On the Bluff pod, Apple, Spotify, full-length video version. You can find on YouTube at the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. He's on X at C Fowler BCM. Christian, what's up, man? How's it going? An all-around good guy. That might be like the most basic way to intro somebody, but... I'll be candid with you. There's no better place to be on Tuesday than talking to you, Gabe. And we get to talk twice today. Yeah, we do get to talk twice today. We're recording a little bit later. How about that? Um, But all around good guy. What's wrong with that? I mean, it's just. I just say it just sounds cookie cutter, man. (sighs) What do you want? I mean, how how specific (laughs) do you want me to get? Short short wearer. Short short wearer. (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah. Good look. It's your show. I can't tell you what to say. I can just critique it. The guy who frequently wears Hoochie Daddy shorts? Yeah, like, the, what do you want me to do here? That's All around enough. good guys better than that, isn't it? I mean, at least it's a little bit more descriptive, I guess. Yeah, okay. Well, um, you're doing well, though, right? You're doing all right? <laughs> yeah, just <wonderful. laughs> Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, I, 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 we had to start on the Tiger game. We, we actually saw some basketball played last night, and all I can say is especially in the first half, that game on both sides, you know, Jackson State and Memphis, that was sloppy as hell. That was very sloppy. But honestly, I, I, I think I'm not surprised by that. Like, it, it's a collection of a lot of talent uh, who, who played a team that maybe they thought they could roll over, and it didn't necessarily work out that way um, for the entire game. Jackson State has a lot of veteran players. They didn't have anybody go out in the transfer portal. Um, and you saw them sort of stick in there throughout that game. But I thought it was very sloppy in the first half. They seemed to turn it on the second half, though. Yeah, I don't think this game was super surprising. Like, from what we saw in the exhibition games, I don't think anyone expected Memphis to come out and look absolutely perfect in this game. And they didn't, especially in the first half. Like you mentioned, uh, the turnovers were 
They were what they were. It wasn't great in the first half. Uh, They cleaned it up a little bit in the second half. Defensively, overall, up and down game. If you look at the steals and the blocks, those were highlights defensively. But then you look at the points and the shooting percentage. And just overall, it didn't look fully in sync yet. But it's the first game of the season. I don't think anyone was expecting this team to come out and be perfectly in sync for game one. And they weren't. But there were bright spots. I mentioned the turnovers. Uh, the force turnovers and uh, and the blocks. And then you look at what Jaquan Walton came out and did early in the game, yep. starting off 15 points, 5-5 five five from the floor, which is exactly what we've talked about with him throughout the offseason is he is an absolute microwave. Like, he can heat up at any moment. He's extremely efficient, and that's exactly what he showed. And then it was a little bit more the David Jones show in the second half. So, uh, overall, this is about what I expected I think everybody would have liked it to look a little bit cleaner, but nonetheless, they didn't suffer a disappointing opening game loss like a couple of other teams in college basketball did, Michigan State being one of those teams. So you you don't suffer like this terrible opening loss, but it isn't perfect either, so it falls somewhere in the middle. But what we do know is it's got to get cleaner before they travel to to play Missouri over the weekend. Because if they they turn the the ball over that much, it's – it's going to be a tough game. See, that's the issue. You can say, okay, it's for, it's game one. You expect it to be sloppy, but they do have to go on Friday to Columbia, and that's an issue. Now, with Michigan State, I do have to say something real quick, and I, I brought this up a little earlier in the show. Just tell me they're going to be a seven seed, the scariest seven seed in the NCAA tournament, even though they lost game one against James Madison. Right. I, like, just, uh, you, just You know the path. That, that's what's going to happen. Like they, they look like crap for a lot of the non-con, they sort of turn it on by the end of the year, and then there's Tom Izzo and his team looking terrifying, getting into right. the Sweet 16 as a as a high seed, playing in the first four and somehow getting out of it as an 11 seed. Like, that's just I, – I, I, I'm way too used to that being the path for them in the case. Now, on the Tigers, were you surprised with the starting lineup? Instead of uh, Javon Quinterly, Jaquan, David Jones, Jordan Brown oh, – um, like they, they, he ended up rolling out, and Caleb Mills, of course, is the other guy that that he, you know, was starting, or said he was going to start, you know, projected starting lineup when he when he talked to the press, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago. But he rolls out Javon Quinterly, Jaquan Walton, David Jones, Nick Jordan, Malcolm Dandridge. That that threw me for a loop. Did it? Did it do the same for you? Yeah, it, I mean, it did. It's not exactly what we expected. What really the only point of contingence that we talked about all offseason is who's who's going to be starting at the three. Like, is it going to be David Jones or Jaquan Walton? I like both of those guys being out there together. And, I mean, honestly, for one game, we'll see what they end up doing with these rotations. But I don't necessarily mind Jordan Brown and Caleb Mills coming off the bench. I know it's not necessarily flashy to have two of your better players coming off the bench, but – Something that we talked about specifically last week was a lack of scoring punch and offense that this team has had in that second rotation over the last several years. And with those two guys coming off the bench, you saw what they could do. Obviously, it's early, so I I believe that stuff will improve. I think Jordan Brown and Caleb Mills will both have better games than they did against Jackson State. But I I don't hate it. You know, I I don't hate it at all. I, I don't mind having good players come in in that second unit at all. Yeah, it's just interesting though. It's it's a, it's an escape from what we thought it was going to be, and Absolutely. that that's but that's in the end of the day, I sort of chalk it up to that sort of penny in his mo right. at times. Right. Like he's going to give you one idea of what the starting lineup's going to look like and the rotation's going to look like, and it may flip on its head game to game. 
based on yeah, game I mean, plan and who they're playing. Yeah, Penny's certainly not the most predictable coach in the country on any basis, but lineups and rotations, as we know, <laughs> are kind of at the top of that list. So it, yeah. it, it, it was surprising, but then you look back and you say, well, this is kind of what he does. So it's, it's not that surprising in hindsight that he – that he did something differently than most people expected with the starting lineup. One thing that did sort of throw me for a loop, though, is David Jones in that first half. I, I think the entire team played sloppy, but David Jones was very like that was a that was a a tough start for him after those two exhibition games where he looked unstoppable. Like he was uh, one of the main distributors on this team, as well as one of the main scorers, one of the best defensive pieces. Five turnovers. Um, he turned it on in the second half, but that first half was pretty ugly. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, and, and that's, like I said, Jaquan, it was Jaquan Walton's first half and David Jones' second half, and that was kind of the tale of the two halves for Memphis, and David Jones did not play well in the first half. And I'm with you, extremely surprising, because if there was one player that you could really point to in the exhibition games and say they played really well on both ends of the floor, they played pretty clean, uh, shot the ball efficiently, like David Jones was at the top of that list, and he just didn't have his best performance in the first half, fortunately, he flipped it around and and played much better in the second half. But not not what I expected from him to come out and start. Uh, but fortunately, they had they had Jaquan Walton playing really well. Uh, and, and when you're in a back and forth game with a team that you don't expect to be in a back and forth game with in the first 15 or 20 minutes, having someone that can pour in points quickly like Jaquan Walton certainly help them kind of weather that early storm and, and ultimately get get that win and, and create a little bit of separation in the second half. One thing I was very intrigued with uh, last night, obviously Jordan Brown coming off the bench, but Malcolm Dandridge played some really good ball last night. Really good ball. Five for five from the field, ten points. Um, it was just great around the rim where Jordan Brown early in that game missed a couple of bunnies, his only two misses of the game. But Malcolm Dandridge looks looks to be – at least in game one, and I know it's a tiny sample size, and I thought he showed a little bit in the exhibition games as well. He looks to sort of have a different vigor about him this year. It looks like he is he is in a in a different form, and I know that he's been in, in college for a while now. We're talking about a fifth-year guy, um, but no better time than the present to, sh- to, to play your best basketball of your career. It's all about health with Malcolm. We've talked about it since day one or since the first time that he got injured playing at Memphis or even when he got injured in high school. If Malcolm is healthy, he's a better player than most people give him credit for. And we know what he dealt with last year. I mean, rewind it to last year, the beginning of last year, how well he was playing through the first, what, six or seven games, eight games, whatever it was, before the Alabama game when he when he sprained his ankle. He was playing probably the best basketball of his career. And so it's not necessarily surprising. I know some people just have – a bad taste in their mouth about Malcolm. They're not the biggest Malcolm fans. I know it was pretty split on people wanting him to move on and people wanting him to come back, but Malcolm can help this team. And when yep. we saw it in the Jackson State game last night, especially with no DeAndre Williams on this team, like having Malcolm Dandridge, Jordan Brown, and Nick Jordan is extremely important. So not only the way that Malcolm is playing, but his health. If he's able to stay healthy, I think we see a lot more of good Malcolm than we do bad Malcolm throughout this year because when he's healthy, especially over the last year and a half, two years, he's played really good basketball, and there's no doubt. I mean, you can look at at the track record. He can help this team when he's when he's locked in and when he's healthy. And it still feels like Jordan Brown will probably take the majority of the minutes, um, and Malcolm will still play in spurts. But if you can get that good basketball out of him every night, that efficient basketball – 
that that tough, rugged basketball. I, I think he's going to be a massive help throughout this season. Um, now on the DeAndre Williams front, we haven't caught up on that. I, I I know people were being positive like the last two weeks before the decision was handed down, but there was already a no. There was an initial no from the NCAA. The appellate process hit, and then there was another no. Um, it, it, based on the positivity, how much did you buy in, and did it end up leaving you surprised when the NCAA made the final decision? We've talked about this before. I will never be surprised by anything that the NCAA does, and I will never feel confident about a decision or positive about a decision. Going the in the NCAA direction of the University make. of Memphis, too? Like, yeah, I will never feel right. positive about that. Never. Not once have I have I said I feel really good about this going Memphis's way. And, I mean, you look at you look at the track record over the last several years, whether it was the initial DeAndre Williams or DeAndre Williams this time around or uh, – who was it last year? Demario Franklin. Demario yep. Franklin last year. Like they're just. It, it hasn't been good between Memphis and the NCAA, and so I, I I know there was some positivity surrounded, it, but I'm always gonna not hold my breath. I guess when the NCAA is making a decision, and it just it didn't work out in Memphis's favor, and it's it, it really is unfortunate because the amount of love that this city has for DeAndre, what he's done for this program. What he's done in the Penny Hardaway it leaves era you a little is, sad. It leaves you a little sad that you're not going to see him again. Absolutely, especially when you know it, it became a possibility again because so many people were excited for the potential of him to be back on this team, and you know not only from a team perspective and what what it could have meant for Memphis, but just for him for, for knowing his story and for knowing what he's went through. Um, you know, just from high school on. Is, uh, is a pretty insane story. So even for him, you know, it, it's sad not to see him come back because uh, this is someone that we've watched for so long. And, you know, if you're in the media and you've been around, like it's someone you've been around for so long. So it's, it is unfortunate because, you know, you could tell from what his statements were saying and, and statements that were made that he was obviously excited for a chance to come back and felt like they had a good, uh, a good reasoning for him to come back. And it just, it didn't work out. It, it, I mean, not surprising. But always for me, like there was two things that that sort of struck me about the decision and how it all went down. One, I always thought it was going to be an uphill battle to sort of prove to the NCAA that you were advised completely wrong and that they would buy into it when you're, you know, going on a sixth year of eligibility. And then, you know, like I, how bad do they actually feel for a guy who's going to be 27 year old, 27 years old? During the regular season. And then also, I think people brought up like the Tez Walker situation where the NCAA uh, denied his hardship waiver. He wanted to be closer to home to his, his, his ailing grandmother at, at North Carolina. They finally decided after the fact to make him eligible, and he's done some good things for North Carolina. I never thought that this was going to affect, that type of decision was going to affect, because one, it's not the same thing altogether, it's just not the same thing because we're asking for a, an additional a sixth year of eligibility where Tez Walker has years of eligibility left, um, but he just transferred more than once. And then also, I think you look at you know public pressure. I, I get the sense, and I don't know if you get the same sense, it sort of felt like public pressure got to the NCAA in the end of the day with the Tez Walker decision. Whereas, like, no one's going to be clamoring and making a fuss about a 27-year-old getting a six-year of eligibility. That was never that was never really the conversation. You see more people poking fun at it um, than actually supporting him getting a, a another year. I think that played into it a lot more 
than than people are giving it credit when you compare the Tez Walker and the DeAndre Williams situations. Yeah, I'm with you. They're, they are completely... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Different, And as far as the public pressure goes, yeah, I think some you people wanna, don't put but, a lot. But you want to think the NCAA is above public pressure, but we know that that's, not, that's not. not the case. Right, and, and that's what I was going to say. I, I don't think some people put a lot of stock into that, but... You look around at at what national media and just the general population or general college football fan was saying in general, it was pretty ugly. Like even you could turn on a North Carolina game for the first several weeks when Tez Walker was not eligible, and even the commentators were kind of ripping the going NCAA. after yeah. Like it was it was a very big deal, and you're right, you're not getting the same thing for DeAndre Williams. If anything, you're getting the opposite. Like you mentioned, like people poking fun at it. Uh, this guy, 27-year-old, is trying to come back and play basketball again, and people kind of mocking it and laughing at it. So you're you're not getting that same uproar and reaction, especially because of some of the reasons you mentioned moving closer to North Carolina for Tez Walker. Like, there was a lot that went into that story. There is on DeAndre Williams' front as well. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying from a public perspective, from a national perspective, it's not the same kind of storyline, and it's not going to generate the kind of uproar that that Tez Walker situation did. Now, uh, with this team in particular, before we move on to a little bit of football, how do you expect them to look come Friday against Mizzou? Still, still, I think, uh, very unknown, uh, the consistency with all these new pieces together. Um, we know how talented they are, but we saw some some a little bit of uh, reason to be worried with the turnovers and, and the, the lack of mesh is the way I'd put it. They did not mesh very well in that first half. I I agree with that, but honestly, my my thought process right now, this is kind of where I'm at with this whole situation as far as what's going to transpire on Friday night against Missouri. I just don't see any way this team doesn't come out a million times more motivated. Yeah. Uh, And and I, I, you know, I know that's tough to say. It's the opening game. Everybody's excited, but this is a quad one opportunity against a team right now that I think is 55th overall in Kim Palm on the road this is a team of veteran guys that understands that they have to have these type of wins to accomplish the goals and the reasons that they ultimately came to the university of memphis so i know it wasn't necessarily pretty against jackson state but they know what's on the line even though it's early they know the margin of error is error is extremely small for this team they they can't have a bunch of mishaps in these big games against quality opponents 
And generally speaking, Penny Hardaway teams have played up to competition. They've yep. played very well against top-level competition. It's when they've played their best. So for me, it's really hard for me to see them coming out and being sloppy and looking unaligned. Uh, and, and it could happen. I could be completely wrong. They could come out, and it could be a very similar situation, and they could fall down early and have to claw back, whatever. But I, I, I don't know. I just get the sense that this is a team that understands exactly what's on the line in every game in non-conference against these quality opponents, and I just see them playing much better basketball. Now on to uh, football, talking with Christian Fowler at C. Fowler BCM, um, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. Uh, Tiger football seven and two. <laughs> like I, I don't. I mean, you could have asked for them to win the the Tulane game when they were up eleven. You could have asked them to potentially go on the road and beat Mizzou at St. Louis. That was always going to be an uphill battle. And honestly, that loss by seven continues to age pretty well as Mizzou sort of gave Georgia all they could handle this past weekend. Um, but seven and two is seven and two. Um, but they're going to have SMU coming up here relatively soon. What did you think about the South Florida game in particular, though? Offense. Clicking on all cylinders, I saw more innovation, especially in the red zone and goal-to-go situations. They had the bootleg. Uh, they had the play-action fake and that sort of full-house pistol look with, with Brandon Thomas where they've handed, handed it off to him a million separate times down there on the goal line, and they finally uh, play fake. Brendan Doyle standing right there in the end zone. I saw more innovation in the offense. That's why they scored 59. But defensively, what, what? the past two weeks, I don't know if it's a loss of confidence I don't know if Matt Barnes doesn't have them prepped the right way, but there's been too many coverage busts, and that secondary got absolutely cooked by a quarterback in Byron Brown who's not known for airing the ball out the way he did on Saturday. And he's a he's a true freshman also, right? I think he's 18 years old. So they made a true freshman quarterback look extremely good, which is never what you want to do. You do not want to make true freshman quarterback look that good. But they did, and it becomes more and more concerning every week. You know, over the first couple of weeks of the season and throughout the offseason, we talked about how good this defense could potentially be. And, I, and they started the season off against inferior opponents, and they looked pretty solid. And as the competition level has gone up, the defense has gone down. And that is extremely concerning because it feels like they have a lot of really good pieces overall on that defense. But especially the last two weeks, it has looked horrendous. I mean, you score 59 points and you you win by single digits is never, never a good thing. And so it even more so brings more concern into what can this team really do? Because, yes, they're 7-2, and two, as you mentioned. You can't take any way, anything away from that, and I'm not trying to. But it is an extremely ugly seven and two. Yes, I, I completely agree with you. And yeah, you can take a little bit away. You can. It hasn't been a tough schedule by any stretch of the imagination. You should be seven and two. You've beaten the teams right. you're supposed to beat. You've lost the teams you're supposed to lose to. Like it's just it's it's an it's still in my opinion. Again, I will say seven and two is seven and two. I, I will continue to bang that drum. But at the same time, it's just not an overly exciting seven and two. And I get where people can still have their worries and their skepticism about where this where the season ends. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. It's and it's valid because you look at you look at the rest of the schedule and you say, okay, there should be two wins on there. But if you don't, but you should cruise to nine and three. It, again, nine and three is okay. nine and three. But if you've lost three games that you were supposed to lose and you won the rest against inferior competition, it's just like okay, all right. 
I, you, you're yeah. still in, you're still in somewhat. I think a lot of people would term it this way: a limbo, if you will. Like, you know, wh- is this program really improving year to year the way you want to see them improve? And and right. I, I think people still have those questions at nine and three. Without a doubt, because a nine and three in this American would probably be around the same mark that Memphis has been the last two years, about a six and six mark in in the old AAC because the competition has dropped off so much. So, you you know, you can't take back the Missouri loss. You can't take back uh, the Tulane loss. But you can beat SMU. And that's <laughs> you can. at this point, that's the only thing left well, you, that you can do to, to surprise anybody or to do something differently or evoke any excitement is to beat that SMU team because it's the only team – that's really any good that you're going to play the rest of the year. So if you're going to make a statement, if you're going to say this is a different team and there's potential in this team and there's, you know, something's growing and something could be special, then you've got to beat SMU. And that's, that's the, it's the path that we've been on for the last several weeks, ever since the loss to Tulane is take care of business in every other game as they've done. They've done it ugly, but they've done it. They got Charlotte and Temple, which, should be able to take care of business in those games. But there's the collision course for SMU that is going to really determine the way that this season is looked at overall. And the truth of the matter is, if they don't get this secondary situation figured out, Preston Stone and that, that SMU offense, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna get cooked, right? right. Like they, you, have to, you have to make some meaningful adjustments and also – you do have the backdrop, and and this is this is what needs to be talked about. Blake Watson day to day, Seth Hennigan day to day. Now I think Tevin Carter came in and did what he was supposed to. Um, you know, there's a lot of people taking away uh, the touchdown pass to Rock because Rock made a, a a really good play, took off down the sideline, a lot of run after catch, um, and that was a, a lot of the reason that that Tevin's. Um, you know, stats, his stat line looked good. But at the same time, you have to deliver that ball. It was an RPO look. I thought Tevin came in, led two touchdown drives, looked confident out there, had some command. Um, but how do you feel about this team going forward if, if, you know, Tevin Carter, at least for the next week or two, is going to have to be the starter? I think they can beat Charlotte with, right. with Tevin and without if they are without uh, Seth Hennigan and Blake Watson. But, I mean, that's a huge ask to ask Tevin Carter to go in that SMU game, which we, we just talked about the importance of it and the magnitude of it, and you're asking a guy to make his what would be his second career start in that game, which could potentially determine if you have any shot to play for a championship game and determine the level of bowl game that you play in. I mean, it's hard to have confidence in that. You know, We, right. haven't, we just haven't seen a lot of Tevin. I mean, it, it's been Seth Hennigan. But I, I did bring this up yesterday. This is this is distinctly different than a couple of years ago when you had the Grant Gannell injury really early. Seth had to be uh, thrust into action his true freshman year, and then you had Peter Parrish waiting in the wings. This is distinctly right. different than that. I think Tevin can definitely pace the offense a whole lot better, but I think you do have to change uh, the way you run your offense at least a tad bit because Tevin – Largely what he will be able to do is use athleticism. I think you get into some RPO concepts, make some easy reads for him. And then I do think one thing that they could take advantage of if Tevin is, is asked to be the starter, like he has a good deep ball. This is a guy who can take some shots downfield, draw some up for him, and, and, and see what he can do in making plays downfield to some of those weapons, Demir Blankham, C, um, Rock Taylor in particular. 
Right, and, and I mean, honestly, as crazy as this may sound, having an inexperienced quarterback, having a guy that you have to change the offense for, could potentially could help throw off. Defense. Yep, it, 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 it could throw defense. off other teams trying to watch film on you and get a beat on you offensively. Without a doubt, but if you slow down the offense and you're running more of these RPOs and screens, and you're running the ball more in general, and you're staying ahead of the chains, and you're and you're taking time off the clock then that could help the defense if Tevin is playing well and completing passes and they're, you know, not necessarily taking the top off every play and they're not scoring, you know, 60, 70-yard touchdowns every play. If they're, you know, three, four, five, six yards and moving the chains and long 12, 13, 14-play drives, which is still a lot to ask for, but you would imagine if it's a backup quarterback, you're going to go a little bit slower you're going to go to some different concepts, to some shorter stuff, run the ball more, lean more heavily on your run game. It could help the defense. Now, that is not the situation you want to be in. That's not what I'm saying. You want your starting quarterback out there, yes, uh, especially in that SMU game. But if we don't see Seth this week and we do see Tevin, I'll be very interested to see just overall what the game plan looks like. If they do go much slower, what the defense looks like. And speaking on the defense, just – throw this out there as well you know we're talking about potential solutions and you know is it personnel is it coaching what is it I mean at this point Gabe I'll throw it up to you like do you just sit back in the softest zone coverage you possibly can (laughs) and just try to make teams throw the ball underneath and and hope they make a mistake or commit a penalty or something like that and then you can be timely maybe get a turnover if they throw it into harm's way I I, you you can't just keep allowing 30 yards I know just you you can't do it you got to do something and I know sitting back in a soft zone coverage is not sexy at all not playing aggressive not bringing blitzes bringing three and four man rushes is not fun it's not exciting defense to watch but it at least makes offenses earn it a little bit more than what's going on right now it's it's just it's strange though because I think in that North Texas game ultimately you didn't see a whole lot of coverage bust but you saw a lot of guys in position to make plays that just could not make plays on the ball right you get in one-on-one situations and North Texas more often than not was able to make that play the Memphis DBs were not in that South Florida game it was coverage bust the entire day right like it's just it, it it I don't know what you do, quite frankly, um, but you, you definitely have to be more timely. We've seen this this defense does rely on the turnover, uh, getting turnovers very heavily. They did it a lot in that UAB game. That's why they cruised to a win in Birmingham. Um, but it's just strange. We've seen some of these these defensive backs make plays, but as the season's gone along, they're not doing it anymore. They're they're just they're they're maybe they're not as locked in. I don't know exactly. And obviously, you're dealing with a little more dynamic of offenses, better competition, but it shouldn't be this drastic of a difference. And I I, yeah. I you know sitting in a soft zone, I always uh, I always want to stay away from that because I that is just disgusting football at times, um, <laughs> yeah, it and it's is. just not fun to watch. And then you have to still go make tackles, which we've seen at times. This defense is uh. Uh, not not great half to half um, at, at, at getting the ball carrier on the ground. I I don't know what you do, but you have to do something. You have to figure it out. If you're Matt Barnes, this is why you were brought here by Ryan Silverfield is to make sure that this defense can at least help you in these situations. Because I think the offense is where it needs to be. I think we're finally seeing this offense click at at a high level. You see the explosive plays. You see the playmakers. Run games at least a little bit better. The offensive line's holding up a little bit better. But the defense is not not pacing pacing the way the way they were the first, what, five, six games of the year. 
Yeah. No, I mean, couldn't say it any better myself because yeah. we've talked about consistency all year. And now the offense has found their groove a little bit. It looks like they found their consistency and the defense has fallen fully out of whack. And now we're back to, you know, 20, 2017, 2018. My, all the teams I played on besides 2014, right. that's what we're looking at right now. Right. You got to score. Winning, winning games 59 to 35 on the road at Tulsa. That's what we're looking at right now. That is right. literally what this is. Right, because <laughs> you I mean, you're allowing offenses that are not uh, are not good. I mean, we talked about North Texas. They had, you know, they had a little bit of juice, but they still were better than what people expected them to be. And then this past week against South Florida, the wheels just really fell off. Yep, no question about it. Well, I'll see you a little bit later tonight. Yes, sir. Appreciate and then uh, you you'll back. join the you'll join the show next week too. So yep. that'll be great. Yep, see appreciate it. Back next week. Yes, sir. He is Christian Fowler at C Fowler BCM on X. Um, Bluff City Media uh, senior writer and content creator check out our podcast on the Bluff Pod uh, releases usually every Tuesday at noon it'll be a it's a different week because we had Tigers basketball so it'll be tomorrow at noon um, but check that out Apple Spotify full length video version on YouTube now we need to go ahead and get into the Blitz and in the Blitz we have to talk a little bit of Grizzlies and I'm going to tell you what I think is the best starting and finishing lineup for them to use in these first 25 games before Ja Morant comes back. Be right back, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.